Comic Fam. Thank you so much for joining us today. Happy New Year. I'm sitting here with the Golden Age Guru, Jeff. What's going on, guys? It's 2020. I'm super stoked for this year. It's our first episode of the year, and I got some big plans for me, man. I'm excited for my collecting. I'm excited for all these cons on the horizon. Any New Year's resolutions? Oh, God. Um, yes. One that many people usually have, right? You just want to be healthier, so you want to go to the gym. Okay. Be honest. It's a weekend. Have you done it? I have slept in a lot as uh, the kids are still on school break, so okay. I don't really have like a consistent schedule. But it sounds like a no. So it sounds like you name. haven't. <laughs> I've gone twice. I'm doing, I'm doing a good job. You're doing great. And I feel that if I haven't started my New Year's resolution, I haven't really broken it yet. Oh, okay. I see, I see the move there. So you don't feel disappointed in yourself. Comic fam, do you have any New Year's resolutions? I want to hear it in the comment section below because it'll enter you to win a giveaway. And you could be a winner just like the person who won this Codex variant of Immortal Hulk issue number one. Kyle Casilo, congratulations, man. If your New Year's resolution was to be a winner in 2020, you are ahead of the game because right. it's January and you won. So I hope you have another New Year's resolution because that one is done. We got a packed show today. Hit that subscribe button. We make a lot of comic book themed content. And dude, we're talking about error prints. We're talking about cutting up an X-Men number one. Like literally, let's cut it up. We're also going to be talking about, oh my goodness, this freaking masterpiece of a comic book. Donny Cates, Nick Klein, how did you do it? We're going to get into it. But let's just start this off with some trouble in the quality control room at Marvel Publishing. It's funny you mentioned Thor, okay? Because I don't know if you know this, but Thor is in Star Wars. Thor is in Star Wars? Yeah, he's actually a Jedi in Star Wars. Is This this has to be recent. I've never heard of this. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not true. He's not really a Jedi. But <laughs> Marvel put out a comic in error format. They put a blank sketch variant cover that says Star Wars on it over the latest Thor issue. That's right. We have an error print hitting the market as of this past Wednesday. We saw a couple sales hit eBay, mostly from the same seller. We were kind of feeling out, seeing if this was something that was done in mass, but we are starting to see more and more trickle in and the prices have started to skyrocket on this book. It's a blank cover sketch. You open it up and yeah, you see Donny Cates Thor, this issue inside. And it started out selling at around 60 bucks right out the gate. Now we're seeing prices hit $120 and climbing. People are after error prints, but I also think that the fact that it's a Star Wars comic, that's pretty intriguing. It's a major title. But then also, this comic book is a freaking hit. So now people are after a variant that was unintended. I wonder how many people bought that and was just like, what the hell is this garbage? <laughs> I know, right? I want to get like a sketch done on it, maybe by Donny Cates. That'd be pretty cool. Well, if you think about it, right, there's no... Link sketch variants, I think, for that, but now now there technically a, is, right? Yeah. So that would be kind of interesting to see that because you know it's going to come to market. Someone's going to do that. But let's take a look at some other error print comic books that have kind of been brought to my attention over this last couple months. And this is a regular conversation that we have on the show because the error market is so niche and all over the place. So let's talk about not just this Star Wars variant. Let's bring up the Spawn 302 error. This one's pretty unique and just happened back in November. So this Spawn issue, 302, came out in November. Okay, this is actually the first appearance of She-Spawn. All right, but when they, when they did this first printing, her portion was in black and white. Okay, 
And then when they did a second printing, it was in color, which is great because now you have a full color version of this. I like that it was different too. Like they kind of changed the cover and they changed the backup story and made it into color as well. Now, this isn't going to be the biggest error or gaffe, but what happened is that the text was too similar to the background color and you lost the definition, so you couldn't read it. That's right. And so now we have a third printing. Actually, it's technically not a third print, even though there are three different copies. I don't know. I'm going to put that as a third print. But it doesn't say, I get it, it doesn't say third print, but that's just like if you just printed it again and it's different, technicality here, right? Like mm-hmm. like Watchmen, you know? <laughs> that's right. Well, they reprinted the second print with a different background so you can read the text, and they didn't recall the second print with the text that you couldn't read. So there is this comic book that's a second print that you would only know by opening it up and looking at this page. We'll put the pictures up so you can see. And one is like a red background, makes it so you can't read the text. The other is a blue background. Clearly, you can read the text. The red background is an error. And that book is going for right around 15 to 20 bucks right now. Yeah, absolutely. Completely different because there's blue and then there's like a reddish yellow so when you open it, you'll know. It's easy to tell. And another thing that's easy to tell, all right, are some of these more dramatic errors that we're, we've talked about earlier before the show. Check this out. Amazing Spider-Man 158. There was an eBay sale of this book, a complete printing error. All right, half of the front cover is completely gone. The book's completely miswrapped. The front of the cover is on the back of the cover. Half of the front of the cover is on the front of the cover. Half of the back cover is gone. It's just a nightmare of a book. And the sale for this book was $175. That's right, and it sold just like in the last couple of days. This is an example of the like extremities of how the error market can go, as well as just how much money can be brought by the severity of said error. This one, you look at and you're going, what happened? Like, how did this even hit the shelves? How does this exist? Well, it's because it was missed. Now, are every single like weird error that you find, especially if it's like a one of one, like this amazing Spider-Man 158, this isn't like a common error. This is one occasion. These kind of things happen all the time, but it's dependent on like the key, the title and how big of a title it is. I mean, ASM makes sense that a bigger title would be more attractive to collectors, but also how was that error formed? Is it weird? Is it look exciting? Is it something that's going to spark conversation? That's what drives higher prices. But sometimes, you know, there's a little like extra paper added, you know, and sometimes the comic book is printed off center. Sometimes the color work is done incorrectly and it doesn't always garner more money. Sometimes it does. I'm really fickle about my error stuff. Okay. Like if it's a double cover, triple cover, we're that type of production. But if you're misaligned or miscut, I don't like that. Like, I don't find value in that. And I don't think a lot of people do because eye appeal is really important on top of that. So when you're looking at errors, it's kind of fickle. But I think there is a broad base of people who agree on a wider scale of what is a real true error and what isn't. Let's chat about one that is a clear error that is respected in the collector's market. We're talking about Cap 212. So this book has a normal version of it okay you could buy it every newsstand then there was a 35 cent variant of this book hyper scarce 35 cent variants were like a 
used as a test in certain states and sometimes even certain cities to see if they could pull off selling the comic. And it made some issues hyper scarce because there was a random 35 cent variant at a time where the cover wasn't 35 cents. Yeah, the distribution is going to be much lower. So they were trying to test the market to go to raise it from 30 cents to 35 cents. And they want to know what that threshold was. So they would throw out some books with these versions of prices on them. But this one isn't the error. Although it's hyper scarce and goes for almost a grand. Now we're going to go a little deeper and talk about one that has a problem with it on the cover. So not only does this book have a 35 cent variant, it also has several copies that we've come to market and seen that have missing words along the top of the logo or the, the title head. It's supposed to say Marvel Comics Group, but it's completely missing in the banner. A blank banner making this book so rare and so expensive. And again, we mentioned at the beginning of this that the error market, it's fickle, it's all over the place, and it's inconsistent. Let's talk about some prices for this book. Like you mentioned, a 35 cent variant, okay? An 8.0 sold for $900. Now we saw a 7.0 of this 35 cent variant missing the banner. The error version? The error version that sold for $2,700 just in 2018. All right. Now, let's go back a bit further because that's a lot of money. I mean, we're pushing $3,000. Not quite, but pushing $3,000. Has it always sold for that amount? So it hasn't always sold for that amount. But again, it's going to depend on the market and the timing and who wants this super scarce book. But we did see a 2012 sale of a 6.0. Go for $3,500. So one point less years ago went for more, over $500 more, which is interesting because I feel like back then the market wasn't as strong as it is it, as it is today. I feel like there's more error hunters now more than ever and people looking for scarce books. This tells me that it's probably a lack of knowledge, people hunting for this particular issue because those prices... They just don't match up based off of the years that they were selling. You're going to see this happen sometimes with um, oddities because somebody's going to want something and someone else will. And you might see this this inflated price maybe because somebody was battling at auction or maybe it's the first time we're seeing this book like it. And it's just something that really heightens a collector's sense of wanting it. So we see maybe an auction battle. Maybe the second copy came out. And maybe those two, three, four people who used to battle for it just don't care anymore. That's right. It could be that low of a number of individuals hunting for these scarce books. But keep an eye out for not just error prints. Keep an eye out for that Star Wars blank. And keep an eye out in those lawn boxes for comic books that you feel just, you know, oh, it looks really weird. And if you can get it in an affordable rate, then it's probably worth picking up. Let's chat about our sponsor of the show, Key Collector Comics. This is an app. I mean, it's 2020, Jeff. They should all have it. I know we've talked about this a lot, but how can you not have this app yet? If you're out there actively hunting, it's 2020. This should be your New Year's resolution. If you already have a New Year's resolution, this should be your second. It will pay for itself easily. So please go out there, get this app, help yourself. That's right. Link in the description below to download Key Collector Comics, the best comic book collecting app that exists on the market. Use code TOM101 to get a free one-week subscription and you're helping support the show. Let's chat about some updates to the app that I am so stoked about. We're talking about some subscriber benefits. So we're talking about future keys, a place on the app that I'm on all the time. I'm trying to figure out what's coming out in the next few months so I know what to put on my poll list. You know, it's 90 days worth of solicitations, insider tips, 
it's scrubbed comics that we need to be paying attention to. And the app has just been updated so that it's not just a scrolling list of what's coming. It's categorized by release date. So now you can go, oh, all right, let me look up Wednesday, January 29th. What's coming out that I need to pay attention to that I may not already be looking at? And now it is super convenient and digestible. But this isn't the only update that's on the list. Another update that was necessary for this app because this is a great section that you can really truly utilize because when you're digging through these long boxes at cons for the dollar bins, this is called the dollar bin diving section. So this is where you'll find yourself and you're like, okay, how do I sort through all this information? Instead of it just being recently added, you can now find it in alphabetical order by title. Let's say you're looking for Moon Knight. You come across this box. You're at M. You're like, oh, Moon Knight. Let me go scroll. I'll find Moon Knight. And just as an example, Moon Knight number 20. Okay, that's just a book you're going to find in a dollar bin. But if you're informed, you will know that this retells issues of World by Night 32 and 33. And this is a $20 book. Could be even $40 plus. So reprints of the origin issue and one that goes missed by a lot of people. And there's also a 1 in 25 sketch variant. People stocking up on Moon Knight. And there are books being missed in the community that are actually selling for pretty aggressive amounts. Familiarize yourself with the books that could be found in those dollar bins. This is an origin issue that a lot of people don't know about that actually sells pretty aggressively and it's going up in price on eBay right now. A retelling of the first appearance of Moon Knight. Of course, this is a hot book, but one that goes missed. And did you know that there was a 1 in 25 sketch Mike Diodato variant? A lot of people didn't. We did because we followed the app. Also, Keep an eye out. We have a release January 22nd, Batman Beyond issue number 40. That's right. It's coming out in a few weeks, but we know based off of solicitations that this is going to have the Batwoman Beyond reveal. Who is she? And what ramifications is this going to have, not just in the story, but with past books in the run? Are we going to see more keys that are going to retroactively become available and wanted in the community because of this reveal? We don't know, but we're watching just like Key Collector is. Let's now move forward and talk about some follow-up. Let's talk about some follow-up because we had something happen in August last year, something that was just momentous, something that excited us. We had absolute carnage one land. People loved the story. But there was a select amount of people who really loved the story, like more than the rest. This had to be one of the funnest things that any publisher did last year. I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah, and possibly... For the entire decade, to be honest, like this was unexpected. I did not think that someone would do this. I didn't even have that notion, but I love seeing it. We're talking about how Mark Bagley did 20 sketches randomly distributed through this country. That's right. Absolute Carnage won. A ton of people bought this comic. A lot of stores stocked up on this comic. They were rolling the dice that this would land and they all wanted copies on their shelves. But what was totally unknown to the community and the comic book store owners is that this original art done by a very famous artist was just randomly submitted and sent all throughout the country. So they started trickling in. All right. We reported on it in August. People started picking it up in October. Pictures started resurfacing. We got excited. Marvel got excited. People were claiming they got a free original Mark Bagley sketch. How dope. Well, let's review now because We know 20 of them went out, but we still have 
13 unclaimed. I have no idea what that means. I really don't. We have seven that we've seen. What happened to these 13? Straight to bagging board in a box? I think that they could still be out there. Maybe in someone's PC. You know, they just didn't open their comic to see that there's an original sketch waiting inside. Or maybe they're at LCSs still waiting to be hunted. So I'm going to report to you where these seven have been found. Now do it. No. I will, because there's 13 more out there. So you do it, and you find those guys. Gosh darn it. And tag me and Tom. That's right. Let us know. I want to, like, the community's got to go hunting for these. Like, they can go hit their stores and look in these comics. Here we go. Ocala, Florida. You received a Venom. Annapolis, Maryland. You received a Spidey. Austin, Texas. You got Venom. Chicago, Illinois. You got Spidey. Lima, Ohio. You got Venom. Phoenix, Arizona. You got a Spidey. And then we received another Spidey. And I don't know where that went because that was kept secret. That's right. This last sketch, the person wanted to remain private of where they lived, but they were gracious enough to share the Spider-Man sketch. And if you have one or you found one, please tag us on Instagram. We got to see this. We're trying to find them all. We're excited to see them as they come out. We also really enjoy these hidden gem variants. And although this is an original sketch inside, it's a hidden gem to me. I think it's intriguing that there's only like one West Coast state on this list. New York isn't even on this list either. I'm excited to see that they were spread out. This wasn't all going to like one place. Yeah, it's. I don't know if how random it is or not. I mean, just because I said your state, there might be another one in there. I, I don't know. No one knows truly the, dis, the distribution of this. So it could still be anywhere. So if you know anyone who's got a copy, I don't know, man. Either have them check it out or you check it out for them. Yeah, put it up online. We got to keep a record of like what we can find. It's cool to see that they're still being hunted for and that there's still opportunity at your LCS if they have copies of this issue. Also, we're talking about hidden gem variants. I mean, this is an original sketch, but as a hidden gem, I love it. We're going to send out a hidden gem variant to one lucky member of our community. I have this Excalibur 1 in 100 hidden gem variant that came out last year, and we're going to kick off the new year right with this dope variant. All you have to do is comment down below. Let me know what you think about this video. And also, let me know what you're reading. You know, what comic books that you're excited about. We like hearing from you. And if you're going to take some time to comment on this video, go back to our top 10 video and comment so you have a chance to win this Detective Comics 1000 signed by Bill Sienkiewicz. And not only signed, I'm going to add, fingerprinted as well. Yeah. Whoopsies. How much cooler is that book because of that fingerprint? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you so, can plant his print at a crime scene and get away. Oh my goodness. <laughs> All right. So let's jump into my next favorite part of the show. We're talking about viewer comments. This is one of my favorite parts of doing a show is I get to read your guys' comments because they're just, you never know where they're going to come from, what kind of angle, how funny they're going to be. And it's always just great just listening to what you guys have to say. So here's a couple that we got to touch on. Yeah, I like this first one from Jerry P6. This was in reference to your Overstreet Advisor essay that you shared with the community like five months ahead of time because they're watching our show. Yeah, Jerry said, you bet Black Label has helped. Naively bid $2,500 for a Black Label Brave and the Bold 28 4.0, which is the first appearance of Justice League. Okay, and that would normally be a three thousand dollar book, he explains. But fair market value is around twenty nine hundred. The winning bid was nearly four thousand without buyer's premium. All right, black label. We're talking about the change CGC made to their pedigree 
graded comics. And he's saying that it has made a change for some prices because this is at $1,000 more than it should have been. Because right now on eBay, you can get a Brave and the Bold 28 at that grade for $2,800. And this guy's taking offers too. So Possibly less. Possibly less, exactly. So we are seeing this black label making a difference. And labels have to do that apparently. Labels are the only way we can recognize what's happening. Restoration, purple labels, conservations, qualifications, blue labels. Now you got this black tuxedo-like label for pedigrees. So that really is a great way for us to distinguish what is happening with the book and what kind of value we should put on it. Yeah, I'm excited to keep tracking this pedigree market because I think up until this past year, it was kind of not the like highest booming thing in the comic book community like it wasn't the thing that people were excited about that they were investing an inflated amount in largely because well they didn't really know the history of a lot of the pedigrees now that that's emerging and now there's a label attached to it yeah the inflation's coming and as jerry has mentioned it's affecting even his comic book purchases and i think this label can get better to be honest i think it needs to be a little sexier right now because it's kind of it's a little plain. It's a little plain. It it's is. I think they need to improve this label still. And I can't. I, I, one of these days, it's just going to pop just right. All right. The next comment we got to discuss is about the number one comic that we put on the top 10 list for this past Friday, as well as the pick for the 2019 comics that came out that we're most excited about that we thought had legs going into 2020. And we're talking about the Walmart Detective Comics 80th anniversary Walmart exclusive that has people hitting Walmart in troves trying to find it and putting it on eBay and it's exceeding $100 now. So this comment is from Key Collector because he pointed out something that I knew in the video, but I didn't realize the extent of the effect on the market that this fact would have. This is what Key Collector wrote. Regarding the Walmart exclusive, the Batman reprint is an uncensored exact reprint of the original, whereas a lot of the reprints were redrawn to admit a murder victim with a knife in his back. So this had me all excited and I hit you up and said, dude, pull out a Detective Comics 27 reprint. We have to see what is being discussed here. And I heard what you said. So the Detective 27 comics in my collection, I didn't bring because you wanted only the reprints. Yeah, I, so yeah keep the original at home. I left the three of those at home. <laughs> <laughs> but I did have a DC Archives Batman, okay, that had the first Detective Comics 27 was in it. And sure enough, there was no knife in this guy's back. So yeah, yeah, the first couple pages, there's a murder scene and there's a gentleman laying on the ground and there's a knife in his back in the original comic. But in this, like, MSRP reprinting of a bunch of Batman stories and the one you brought, sure enough, there's no knife in his back. So then I started searching online. I wanted to see the Millennium Edition. I couldn't find a picture of it with a knife in his back. So now I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I got to go through more reprints of this dang issue to see if there are any of them that are uncensored. We have members of the community who are saying that this Walmart exclusive may be the only true uncensored version of a reprint of Detective Comics 27, the first appearance of Batman. This is crazy. It could be true. It could not be true. I have not flipped through all the reprints. And even if I did, I wouldn't have been looking for this panel. Dude, I went online. I tried to find anything about this. I tried to find people who had wrote blogs about it. I looked up in the CGC forums. I mean, I figured it's such a major thing, you know? It's a censored 
panel. It was redrawn. This is something that collectors must know about. Couldn't find anything. So if you have a Detective Comics 27 reprint, not the Walmart one, because we know the Walmart one is uncensored. I want to know in the comment section below, is yours edited? I, we only had a couple days to prep for this section. I'm still trying to figure it out. Yeah, and uh, and I'm talking more a comic format, not like that oversized like they did of the, uh, you know, kind of more magazine size, but just in comic format. Let us know, man. Comment down below or shoot us a message. I'd love to hear which book that is or which version. Yeah, because if we can confirm that this is something that's been going past collectors' eyes, like just unbeknownst to them for decades, this could be groundbreaking news and it could add even more to the craze that is behind this low print Walmart edition. This next comment is from Life of Agony. Thank you, by the way, for commenting. We appreciate it because this actually touches on some of our error issues. He talks about Winter Soldier number one and explains why it holds its value as it does. Okay, There are 12 pages in this book from Venom number nine, and it was released simultaneously and is the first full appearance of Dylan Brock. So there's like an added key reason to own this error print copy. How interesting. I didn't think to check which comic was inserted, like specifically what number. And I think at the time that this was introduced, I mean, the full appearance versus the real first appearance back in issue seven, that was still trying to be worked out in the community. Didn't think to check that issue nine actually has pages in this book showing the first full appearance of Dylan, who now is a major spec character. How exciting. It's great. You have an error book and it's now a key. Thank you so much for leaving that comment. And the next comment is from Unruly Simeon in reference to comic book stocks that are coming on the market. This is what he had said about this idea about purchasing parts of a comic book. Sincerely glad to see the vast majority of people commenting see this for the BS it most absolutely is. That comment section was rough. Yeah, two weeks ago, we reported on a company named Otis, kind of an investment group, and they had uh, Hulk 181 9.8 CGC, and they were selling shares of it. And you can buy shares of other pop culture collectibles, but for this Hulk 181, they had 1,000 shares at $35 a piece, and it sold out. 173 people bought all 1,000 shares. That's right. It's like an average five to six shares a person. So pretty interesting to see this happening because this is like the first time in really the in the last decade that you're seeing a company actually try to make comic book investing like a stock option similar to like your 401k. And to be honest, like for me, I like the concept. I really, really do. I am a long ways away from believing in it and trusting it. Yeah, this isn't like Marvel Comics putting on an investment opportunity for you. This is a company that I've never heard of until they did this. Yeah, obviously there's going to be fears of regulations and how things are monitored. And really, I hope comics get to that point where they're actually a comfortable traded in the market, like in a stock market type format. I mean, could you imagine like for them to get to that point? That'd be amazing. But they're not there yet. And... um I would like to see it. I really would. I think um, I might buy into something one day if that was an option. I felt that you, comfortable. You probably would do it. You like the ideas because the community was definitely split. I would say at least half were like, I don't want anything to do with this. I'm, I do like Mark Arney's comment, though. He says, sell hundreds of a shares of one comic book. Why not? People buy water. 
it's just true. People do buy bottled water. But what I am, I, I want to like press this point because I think the gut response for a lot of the community was, oh, I don't want to buy a key issue and not own it. I don't want to not be able to have it in hand. And I just want to remind everybody, this isn't for your standard $1,000 comic. This isn't for your standard $10,000 comic. This is for books that you wouldn't own otherwise. That's how they're trying to sell this. Hulk 181 at 9.8, yeah, it's not going to be in a lot of people's collections. I have a feeling that it's going to get higher valued comics more and more and more are going to hit the market. And that's what is exciting to me is the potential of owning grails that you would never be able to see. And honestly, you probably wouldn't actually want in person. Too expensive. Too much risk. That risk point is interesting. I haven't really thought about that because once you have it in hand, you also have to now protect it, right. own it, uh, be responsible for it. Put it in a bank vault, buy a vault that is flame and waterproof like we're talking books that are so expensive there's a reason why people have bank accounts so thank you for the comments comic fam would you reconsider this if there were more expensive books i mean hulk 181 maybe that's not enough maybe they need to hit a hundred thousand dollar book would that change your mind i'm curious let us know in the comment section below and let's chat about some crazy sales that have happened that no one's talking about yeah, we're talking about Turtle Mania here. We're talking about Turtle Power. Yeah, okay. let's, let's get into some TMNT. We have some examples in this show. We've already talked about error prints, hidden variants that go for a lot of money. And a lot of the time, it's because the buyer or the collectors, they just don't know about it. And that's when things become surprising. Oh, this comic is missing half of its cover because of an error and it's selling for over a hundred bucks. That's surprising because the knowledge isn't there. That's why our show is here. We want to provide value to you. Comic fan, hit the like button. But TMNT, we have some sales that we got to go over because they were all over the board this past year. Like some of the, it's like a roller coaster ride. What is going on, Jeff? Why don't we just start off with TMNT one? So last year, we saw a 9-8 sale of a Team NT1, okay? And I remember this sale. It, for me, hit a ridiculous number. For like, those of you who don't know, Team NT1 was printed out of the garage of its creators and has a 3,000 print count. And the cover, the pages, it's like newspaper. Very difficult to get in high grade. You would think. Right. But when you check the census, there are a lot of high-grade copies of this book. Yeah, okay. let's actually go through that before we tell them this number that you're about to report. Yeah, this book sold for $90,000. And you got to understand, in 2018, the average sale for a 9.8 was around $35,000. That's right. Current count on the CGC census, 27 9.8 graded TMNTs number one. What about 9.6? 45 9.6s. 69 9.4s. And then we have 89.2s. And then the highest amount recorded is 9.0 at 90 different copies. So we had a near $100,000 sale this past year. And you're saying that that is not right. No, that's just, that number is ridiculous. All right. This made no sense to me whatsoever. And a lot of people in the marketplace, I don't know why it hit 90. And whatever you tell me, I'm probably not going to believe. Okay, so however it happened, it happened. 
And I will tell you how off this is. That two months later, another 9.8 came for sale and it sold for $52,000. That is a more logical number. 52,000? 52,000 is a logical number. 90,000, I will not understand why it hit that number. Near double. It's crazy. It makes no sense. All right. So that's not the only thing that doesn't make sense because I want to touch base on some very hyper scarce TMNT collectibles that routinely hit the market. And when they do, it does cause a buzz, but a lot of people don't know about these. We're talking about Turnal Mania. We had just two years after the creation of TMNT number one, like the start of the craze, right? We had Peter and Kevin just coming on the scene and causing a boom, just people freaking out about turtles. And two years in, well, the owner of Metropolis Comics at the time commissioned them to do a couple different comics, some special comics. These are smaller. They're actually were published by Metropolis and they're called Turtle Mania. These issues, there were three different versions. There's a white version, a silver version, and a gold version. The white version is standard. It's attainable. They made about a thousand different copies. The silver version, they made about a hundred those go for between what five and ten thousand dollars when they hit again. I'm these are very wide prices because these are all really virtually unknown, and the prices they're all over the place. Because we're here to talk to you about the gold version that is the one that we have to focus on that everybody needs to know about. The gold version had a low print count of 10, and what makes these super special is that. Similar to the absolute carnage type of like hidden gem, Kevin and Peter, they did original sketches on the back of each of them. And what makes these extra exciting is that when these hit the market, we know which ones they are because of these sketches. We know what number of the 10. And to add just insult to injury, we don't even know all 10 pictures. We don't know what they all look like. We only have recorded eight. So let me explain to you how valuable this book is. Okay, we're talking two years later. And the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 1, okay, had 3,000 copies, 27 and 9 eighths, okay, and all the other high numbers we saw as the grade went down. This only has 10 copies, period. So you get it with any way you can get it. We saw a 9 0 sale of this book in May of 2019. Sell for $58,000. All right. So $58,000 for a 9.0. One of 10 to exist. Hyper scarce. But this past month on eBay, a 9.2 hit the market and it sold for a staggeringly low amount. It's like the TMNT one variants, but of a completely different comic book. We're reporting a $28,000 sale for this very same book at 9.2. And this was on eBay. Right. So you go from a major comic book auction house, which was maybe a better venue this person should have put it on. Right. But he put it on eBay, and he sold it for $28,000. It's like half of what it's worth, man. Yeah. So I know there can be a variance in prices, and this is understandable because there's only 10 copies, period. Right. Okay. So I don't even want to compare to TMNT's one variance because that's just nonsense. But for this, 
We also saw just the cover of this book. Only the cover. That was a sample. It says sample in the back. Kevin and Peter wanted to make sure they got it right. So they actually did like mock-ups and sample covers. They didn't just like rely on the 10 that they made to be the only ones for Metropolis to use and own. So those have actually hit the market over the years. And one sold in December. It was just the cover. No sketch on the back. Cover only. But it sold for $2,500. Clearly, people want a piece of this turtle history. Turtle Mania is crazy, man. Turtle comics, turtle power, turtle everything. I watched The Toys That Made Us on Netflix about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And you can really dive into how hot this was and what kind of like people growing up and this being a true culture. So I really recommend watching that if you haven't seen it yet. And we also got to remember that there was a 25th anniversary edition of this gold version. So please be careful when you're out there shopping for one. That yeah, you don't sure. get caught up in like, oh, it's only $100 or whatever. So just uh, just know what you're getting into. Yeah, you're looking for one that came out in the 80s and one that is going to sell for a lot more than $1,000. The reprints are cool. They actually sell for pretty good amounts of money. But yeah, you're looking for one of those books with the sketch on the back. Hyper scarce. Good luck on the hunt. But we're going to be keeping an eye out because who knows? This is a great example and a great reminder that if you have a scarce book you want to make sure that it's like public knowledge if you're going to put it on a open platform like ebay you don't want to be missing out on what could be twenty five thousand dollars for your scarce comic book really true the avenue you choose to sell stuff can sometimes make a huge difference now you might not always know but making that right decision can be a huge difference in obviously dollar amounts as we saw here that's right and now we need to tell the community about these five books that have been sitting here the entire show this is amazing. History right here. Comic fam, this is Jeff's collection of X-Men. Yeah, so this is what we call bound volumes. So what I have here is X-Men 1 through 100, including giant size X-Men 1 and 2 are in here. That's right. And we're going to make sure we have video footage. So like, you know, enjoy these shots of what were original comics that were then, and please correct me if I'm wrong, if I, I don't know if I make a mistake here, but these were actual collected comics at one point that were then provided to someone who creates books, cut the books to size that they needed, because these are all very uniform, and they bound them together. So at some point, and you'll see this out there, okay, this is not the only kind out there. At one point, these comics weren't as valuable as they are now. Okay, and people wanted to read them and preserve them, and they could put them on a bookshelf. Okay, that literally could sit in your library. So, what happens is you take this to someone who bounds books, okay, someone who does just that type of binding, and they put them in, they cut the spines. Yeah, they cut this dude. The, the spines are all cut, and it it's, looks like they're all trimmed because it's trimmed on all edges. All comics were trimmed. So, this is an X Men 1. I'm holding an X Men 1 right now, all the pages are there. But it's been trimmed, and it's been cut down the spine so that it could be put in a, a uniform, readable book. Because that's what this person wanted to do back when they first bound this. And this, I mean, I got these. Let me tell you, I got this from a collection. It was random. I bought a uh, kind of a warehouse storage unit full of comics. And I went through there, and as I'm going through all these endless boxes, I come across a box that has these books in it. And I open up these books, and... This X-Men 1 through 100 and a couple other were in there. Nothing as grand as this. 
But that was the first collection that led me to meeting Russ for the very first was time. Was it really? Yeah, because I ended that up... These, ha- where you got these, it was the first collection that like had you connect with Russ. It was the first collection that Russ ever bought too. So he bought this collection from me as I went through it, took what I wanted, and I, and I had a bunch of leftover stuff. And so I sold him the rest, and I got to meet him through that, and we stayed in touch since. But these bound volumes, and you'll see a variety in them. I mean, Golden Age books, Silver Age books, Bronze Age books. Sometimes they won't have any cumbers. Sometimes they won't have any ads. Um, but this, this has all, everything. Yeah, I was just looking through. You have the back pages of all the books in there, too. It's literally, Comic Fam, issues 1 through 100, including the, the giant size, cut to size and put into a book. And I think they're organized by story. So the giant size X-Men slip in there before the 100. Oh, so that's very cool. So like that's some thought went into the creation of these books. And this wasn't done by Marvel. This was done by someone who made books. Like they would have had to seek out a professional. Yeah. And you can still do that to this day, by the way, you can get your books bound into volumes like this. And this had to, I mean, for me, I think that this was probably somebody who bought these books off the shelf yeah, okay, personal had collection. collection had, yeah, had a personal collection, loved his books, read them, knew the order of them, put them in order, gave it to this binder, a guy to, you know, put these into volumes, give him a give him a dust jacket. And so it's cool. I keep it just because of the nostalgia of it. Like I could sell it. I mean, it is all trimmed, but I could also read this to my grandkids when they're going to sleep one day and just be like, Here's X-Men number one. And it's like an actual X-Men number one that they're looking at. Now, I got to know, because it's tough to put a, a a point to like, like how much are these worth? Like, it's like, how do you figure that out? That's a tough one. You know, I mean, I don't really know if this had to go up an auction at an auction house, what it would fetch. It's so hard to tell. Sometimes you can like guesstimate a value because you can remove it from the bound volume. And if it hasn't been trimmed on the sides, which is more rare. Yeah, these were all trimmed on the side. There is no spine to any of these comics. Yeah, then you can still sell the book and get a little value. And, and you'll see that randomly. You'll see books that say removed from bound volume. Mm. But most of the time, it's trimmed all over. I would say the value, you know what? I don't even know where to guess with this many it's books. Tough. It, it is. And I haven't spent the time to grade the books. Some people actually grade brown volumes and be like, oh, books VF in volume. <laughs> You know, and they're all pressed because <laughs> they're just like Yeah, they're flat. all really nicely put together. <laughs> I'm so curious, comic fam, do you own any bound comics? I've seen them before, but I've never seen such valuable silver age comics from one to a hundred, dude, all put together nice and neat and cut to hell. They're kind of fun, man. I'm telling you, if you kind of get a chance to get one, like I sold a few and I kind of regret it now. You know? It's a weird experience because they're literally all the same size. Like for our audio listeners who are trying to picture what this looks like, imagine taking a hundred comic books, stacking them, and then uniformly cutting them to the to like the the smallest amount. Like it looks like a real book, but there are comics in there, and they are the original comics, and they also aren't all near mint, which tells us that it was a personal collection that was then put together. Very cool. Thanks for bringing it in, man. Yeah, totally. I was going through and I was like, I could bring a Golden Age book, but then like I do that every week and I was like, it's cool and fun because I have plenty I want to show. But then I was like, I ran across these bound volumes I had and I was like, we should talk about bound volumes. And I mean, actually one through 100 is kind of fun to flip through and just see. Super unique. And I'm so curious if the community has experienced or seen 
any bound comic books, especially ones that are valuable. Pretty cool stuff. Let's chat about this masterpiece. This book is so damn good. I'm just, I'm floored. I've read it multiple times already. And if you haven't read it, Comic Fam, no worries. We're going to go over a little bit about this book, but we're not going to do any spoilers because we encourage you to go to your LCS and get it. Or hit the link in the description and join the mystery mail call because your boy got a Comic Tom exclusive. It's an Inkyuk Lee variant going out to every member of our comic book subscription service, the mystery mail call. So if you're like Thor one, you're going to definitely like the Inkyuk Lee variant, but let's talk about like the five reasons why this book that we both read is so dope. Because as soon as you hit me up about this book, I knew that you would be good on the mic to talk about it. Cause you also fell in love with this comic. I only read this book because it was part of a mystery mail call. And we kind of have an emotional attachment to our, our cool exclusive. But that's not why I love this book, all right? And I had to call you. I was like, dude, this thing is dope. There are five good reasons why you should get into this book. And one of them is that it's a fresh start here. I mean, this is the first issue. You can jump right in. It tells uh, this tale where you you're, you're easily can transition into this book and this title and really enjoy it. Yeah, sometimes I feel like when I get introduced to a new title, and this happened when I started reading Jason Aaron's run, way back when I started reading the first few issues and I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. There's just way too much, way too many names I can't pronounce. Like, I mean, this is a long time ago. I've, I've read the run since then, but this book first issue, first freaking four pages. I'm just floored. I'm sucked in. And Thor isn't even like my favorite Marvel character. And I'm just all about the transition from War of the Realms to what we're reading right now. Thor is freaking on people's minds for good reason, and that's because this book is freaking awesome. The reason I find this book to be as fantastic as it is is reason number two for me, which is the artwork. It coincides so well with the way it's written and how it's told. The dynamic uh, page structures and just the... The choice of what they're portraying on the on the pages and the panels, it's it's pretty amazing. And it really sells you of where you are, what you're reading, and telling the tale. The color work's fantastic. Nick Klein, his line work is so good. I'm paying attention to characters that are further away in the scene versus when they're closer up because the detail he chooses to do is different. It's so intriguing. And Nick Klein, I was looking up other stuff that he's done in the past. He has done a bunch of Marvel work, but not nearly as much as some other members of the community Donny Cates has worked with in the past. But I was surprised to see that we've actually talked about a number of covers that he's done over this last year. I want to remind everybody about the Ziggy Pig Silly Seal comic book. Remember that issue that came out? It wasn't because of cover A that people got excited. It was about the hidden variant that came out, surprising everybody, the poop variant. That was done by Nick Klein. And that wasn't the only one. We also have that Deadpool issue number five, that Garbage Pale Kids variant comic that came out, also done by Nick Klein. You remember that one? Yeah, you were actually, we were at a convention. Oh, that's right. Dude. And we <laughs> saw this cover and we instantly thought like, wow, if there's going to be any cover at this table that's going to hit, it's got to be this one. I was so pissed, dude. We tried to buy it. He had 30 books on there. Maybe more. Yeah, and we tried to buy uh, a couple copies, 
and this was before the con opened, and I swear that like set off a red flag because he's instantly on his phone, and he's like, oh, uh, all these pre-sold already, and took all 30 copies, wouldn't even sell us one. I'm like, dude, can I just get <sighs> like three of them? And Jeff, you're like, yeah, I'll take three as well. And he's like, oh, yeah, hold on one second. Oh, actually, they're all sold. Whoopsies. Yeah, my bad. I probably should have Googled eBay sooner. Oh, it was ridiculous. But that book spiked pretty hard, and it was all done by Nick Klein, so I'm surprised to hear that. But that's not all. I kept looking, and I found another connection that Nick Klein has to Thor that is directly related. We have Thor God of Thunder, the Jason Aaron run, issue number 12. Nick Klein actually did the interior pencils for this book. Freaking random. Like, that he's now doing a Thor comic that has pulled parts of the mythos from Jason Aaron's run. And he did one of those comics himself back in 2013. I like it. Now, I'm going to tell you number three. Reason, Reason three. three. Okay. Why you should be reading this issue. It's because of the writing. And like I said, Donny Cates, man, he did it here. He I feel like it. I'm reading... Thanos wins again. Like like the first issue, when I read Thanos wins, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's something special about this writing. It's so good. It flows so well. I feel like that again with this issue. And like, how would you describe how Thor is being written? Because the artwork's great. The design, the character design is awesome. But Thor in this run, doesn't he feel like powerful through the writing? Like he accomplishes that. So we are put through a journey in this one issue alone. And it's, you actually see Thor change almost in a few ways through this, this book. And the pacing is fantastic. And like you said, you feel the might of Thor just through the artwork and the writing. And I don't, like, we're trying not to spoil anything. So it's going to be hard. But I think we can do it. But I'm just telling you, what he does here is pretty magnificent because it sucks you in so quick and on multiple levels. I feel like it's easy to give a character that almighty feeling when you give him a weapon like Mjolnir or if you make him really grandiose through the artwork. But if you can do it through the writing, through what he says, you make him feel godlike through the text. That is something special. That's accomplishing something and Sir Cates did it. And I like how you mentioned character because reason number four here. Right are the characters you get to take this journey with. And again, it's tough to not spoil it, but I'm telling you, when you open up these pages, you're going to love who you see in there and how they're involved in this tale. That's right. Every character that gets introduced, I am really hoping makes an appearance in this run again. And really, I've seen a lot of people write about what they hope to see in this Thor run. We had a bunch of blog contributors write on the Comic Tom 101 blog about this very subject, what they're excited to see, what they hope to see, what we may see, and what's now being validated. Every character in this run is done so well. It's so funny at times. It is badass at times. It is like epic at times. You're going to just be so sucked in. And last but not least, reason number five, the last page. Last page, man. And we're not even going to say it. Nope. 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 That's it. Mm -mm. That's it. We're not saying anything. The last page of this book is going to make you go, oh, snap. 
and not like Thanos snap. You're going to go like, oh, shoot, I got to go and get this on my pull list if you didn't already because you weren't sure about Thor. You weren't sure about Donny Cates, but now you are. So the next bit I want to hit on here is going to be the upcoming movies and TV section and how they tie into comics. That's right, because there's a fantastic category on Key Collector that's constantly being updated because as things happen, well, it changes the market. Let's chat about the boys. Okay, so I know you love Watchmen. All right. Let's put it right here, man. Yeah. But I got to tell you that my favorite TV show based on comics was The Boys last year. Was your all-time favorite for last year? I believe so. I would yeah. say yes. It would be my number two. I think The Boys was so damn good. And we recently had a trailer drop for number two, the second season, and I'm so excited about it. Yeah. I mean, we get to see kind of a creepy kid power thing going on here. Some you know. Brightburn stuff going on. Yeah, and I mean, I like that movie, you like that movie, but we can see somebody, like a child with superpowers, if they go in sideways, you gotta stay out of their path. That's right, it is creepy. This trailer, you see a young Homelander being trained by the government to become the superhero of our country. It's kind of almost a Red Sun type of thing going on, but a little different because it's Homelander. We know how messed up that guy gets. So, why are we talking about... This trailer, well, because we have a comic book on this category that has been showcased again since the first time the show came out and debuted, we have The Boys issue number three. This is the first appearance of The Seven. You got the first appearance of Homelander and a handful of other characters that are in the show, A-Train. And this comic book is pretty cool. I think the cover's dope because what is the cover of? So we kind of like you... It's this comic book. We actually have a comic book cover. And in that comic book cover is a smaller comic of The Seven. That's right. So it's like their comic inside their comic. Yeah, they debut on a comic, on a comic book cover that's actually real. <laughs> it's pretty cool. And this book is, is it's a great comic book to spec on, but it's one that's really fun to own because there's so many characters that are appearing in it. And... I feel like over time as the series gets season after season, there's so many like random characters in this run. If you've read the boys that the ones that are really going to stand out long-term because the, the tone of the show and the book are so different are like the major appearances of heroes that really land with the public, similar to Homelander, a train and the rest of the seven. As much as I love the boys, I want to touch on this next comic because the movie, when I was younger, that I really enjoyed was RoboCop. You a big RoboCop fan? I was, man. Like I was too, dude. I freaking loved that. That was the coolest thing. Uh, Alex Murphy and like OCP being the bad guys. And dude, you the death to... scene that lasts like 30 minutes. Oh he just keeps God. getting shot and then keeps dying and just doesn't die. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, and I mean, I can't say I loved all the versions of RoboCop that came out all the other movies. Oh, they get weird. But here's the thing. Why are we talking about RoboCop right now? Well, in November... Abe Forsyth was, uh, what's a good word? Announced? Yeah, announced as a director for RoboCop Returns. So we're going to have more RoboCop, which I'm okay with to see an updated version. But I it's called RoboCop Returns. So it's updated, but I think what they're going to do is go the sequel route that they did similar to Halloween, which is basically redo the second film. Pretend like the franchise that we don't care, for, care about as much pretend like that never happened and remake it better 
but keep the respect of the first movie intact. You can do it. I say do it. I'm in for it. I'm down. If I see something I don't like, I will not be excited about it. <laughs> but I always like to give it a chance, at least, before I see something, you know, before I poop on it too much. But I'm excited for a RoboCop, especially if you're telling me that Halloween was good. Yeah, I enjoyed it, man. So if they can pull that off, because number one was great. I loved the first RoboCop. So if they just want to launch pad off that and they can cast it right. So this next book we're going to discuss leads to a new series for the most part. I haven't watched it yet, but I'm hearing a lot of positive buzz. It is on my soon-to-watch list. All right, And from what I understand, it's been casted very well. So apparently, Henry Cavill, you're crushing it. And we're talking about The Witcher. Now... I know that the Dark Horse comics that came out, they've been spiking. This was a franchise that I only knew from the video game. I assumed that that is the origin of The Witcher, and to my surprise, that is not the case. So we're talking about the first comic appearance of The Witcher, right? Since it was published in Poland, and you had to translate that, the name is actually Weitzman or Witzman. Comics and comics is spelled with two K's, K O M I K S. So if you're going to be Googling this, make sure to spell that with two K's. And you're looking for issue number eight, first appearance of The Witcher from back in 1993. This was introduced to me this week. Thanks, Key Collector. Oh, and we got to throw this one in here on the list. I'm stoked about it because it's one of my favorite Copper Age keys. We got the silent issue, G.I. Joe. Larry Hama goodness, what's going on with this character? We're talking about Storm Shadow. Storm Shadow. Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow. You got the perfect balance. Good versus evil. Okay? Now, we have a third installment of the movie coming out for this G.I. Joe series. And it's titled Snake Eyes. So now that Storm Shadow has been casted, you know that G.I. Joe Comics 21 is buzzing like crazy. And it's a well-deserved buzz because this is a classic issue the entire thing is silent and this was something that was groundbreaking at the time and it's a comic book that i've actually heard multiple writers and artists explain like as far as like the impact it had on their creativity and and just on the medium it just changed the way they looked at comic books because when you don't have text you have to write the comics according to the art but fun little side note I chatted with Larry Hama about this, and it was such a disappointing story to hear about how this came to be. He basically told me that it had zero to do with creativity and all to do with deadlines that he had to make that were just unrealistic that was being like given to him by Marvel. So he's like, oh, I'll just do it. It's silent issue. We can save the time on writing. He did not realize how big of a deal that decision would be. I wrote and drew the 22-page story in three days. Well, we all say necessity is the mother of invention, so he needed something quick, and there you go. You, he invented something timeless and memorable. There you go. And this book is seeing gains as we speak because this movie is about to come out, but also it's a major key of the Copper Age that people love. So keep an eye out for it on the hunt because if you can find a lower-grade copy on the cheap, they always sell, man. They always sell. They always move. There's always someone looking for that silent issue. Yes, I have that silent book in my collection. I think people should have it as well. But don't be silent out there, guys. Make some comments down below. Hit that like. Hit that subscribe button. Be a part of this community, man. We really love you guys out there.
That's right. And also, don't forget to hit the description below to download Key Collector, the best comic book app that exists on the market. There's a lot of comic books you got to keep up with. This is how we do it. And you can too by using code TOM101 to unlock a free one week subscription. We appreciate your time today. Don't forget to comment. We do have this dope giveaway sending out this Excalibur Hidden Gem 1 in 100 variant. And we're going to continue this conversation a bit longer in the after show once the camera shut off the mics keep going on soundcloud spotify stitcher and itunes as always comic fam geek responsibly enough said comic fam thanks for joining us it's the after show you've followed us here or this is in the future because we posted it on youtube and you're watching it now we're chatting right now though because it's the beginning of the year about some things that we're hunting for. I told you, Jeff, that I wanted to know what you're going to be trying to buy. Is there anything in the PC you're after? What are you looking to maybe hunt for this year? Let's chat about it. So I am a big believer in this. And I will see many people who are out there and they have these books on their mind that they have to have or that um, they post these top six to nine books I have to acquire. I don't come in a year that way I, there's a lot that I like and for me I'm happy with what I pick up by the end of the year there's always books that I'm on the lookout for but if I don't get them I'm not concerned because I look at comic collecting as more of a lifelong um, habit that I have and can enjoy so if a book comes along great if it doesn't am I going to be disappointed or if I see it am I going to overpay crazy just to check it off my list no I'm not I'm just going to know that I go to enough shows Okay, I'm out there enough. I know plenty about books to always find something that I'm going to be proud of by the end of the year. Five, six, eight, ten books, whatever. So that way I'm, I'm never stressed about it. You know, if it comes along and it hits right, then fantastic. Sure. But I just know, I mean, I've added books. And I add them for a reason because I love them and I like them. So you don't have like a goal for the year. You're not like, oh, I got to acquire one of these eight books or you don't have that list that sometimes people do on Instagram where they're like, I'm hunting for these 10 books this year. You're just letting the hunt find you when you're presented those situations where you see something that your gut just tells you, I got to own it. I got to just get it. That happened to me this year with the El Sorprendente Adania books. I knew I wanted them, but as soon as I started the hunt and they started being presented to me and a lot of like more foreign comics started hitting, I started kind of getting a pretty pretty bullish on it. I wanted to start owning them. And then I realized the just how much history there was behind some of these books. I'm like, okay, now I not only want them, I want to do more with them. I want to make content around them. And now my collecting is kind of like forming around this show to an extent. I find myself wanting to find comic books that are going to be good on the mic. And then in me learning about them and these stories and the history... I'm like, okay, no, now I want that book in 9.8. I want to own it because I appreciate it in a different way. So it's like part of the value we provide the community is trying to inform them and introduce them to new parts of this collector's market. But then in doing so, I'm learning myself and then finding myself like, oh my gosh, now I want to buy it too. <laughs> and I am. I've been, I've been getting some foreign books and I got a bunch of them on their way. And this next year, the focus is more of the out-of-canon Spider-Man comic books. I want to hunt them down. It is so much fun looking for books that are just so scarce that you just can't find them. Like it's so weird to think about an X-Men one. Like there's literally one sitting bounded in front of me, but 
to think like if you want an X-Men one, you just type it in on eBay and you're going to see however many X-Men ones you want in any grade you want. And if it's not high enough grade, cause it's not there, it's going to be there eventually this year. And if it's not, it's going to be on heritage. These books on the other hand, like these foreign comics, not so much. You may see them one time in the year, if at all. And if you don't grab it, you're not going to get it. And the other thing that's just a big surprise is the amount of friends I'm making across the world looking for different foreign books. Because if you want to get a Greece book, you got to go to Greece or you have to have someone in Greece to find it. And that's what's happening. So I'm meeting cool people, finding foreign books. So definitely my answer would be foreign comics. There's a handful that I'm hunting for stuff for the show. And then, yeah, similar to you, I don't have a straight like goal of I'm looking for these nine books that I'm going to be showing off on Instagram all year and showing like the progress. I let the hunt find me. If I find something interesting, something new, something scarce in that moment, I'll make that decision and pull the trigger. Yeah, absolutely. There's always going to be those books that, you know, you'd love to have. You know what I mean? Like everyone has those books they love to have. You want a cap one really bad, don't you? I mean, I want a lot of books. I mean, but doesn't mean freaking gonna... straight flex and showing off two of them. <laughs> it doesn't mean it's gonna like fall in my lap or it's gonna come by my path or make sense, right? But there's so many great right. books to really enjoy out there. You know, if I can't have those, you know, top some top twenty grail or whatever, I'm not gonna freak out. You know, and be like, okay, it's gonna happen eventually. Okay, so what about for like? Like for flipping, for example, because I know you mentioned a bunch of stuff in your Overstreet analysis for 2019. So you mentioned like romance and you mentioned um, some like war covers as for being potential ones to spot as far as like growth goes into 2020. Are you actually hunting for these? Are these something that's on your mind when you go to shows now? Like you're looking for these flamethrower covers, ones that are kind of rising in the market? pedigrees for example like like what is it that you you enter the convention floor there's got to be at least like a one percent tick of like i'm gonna just be eyeing for something particular yeah i mean when i enter a con floor i'm gonna go through everybody's boxes okay and i'm going to find whatever appears to be um classic in any fashion or manner okay so risque uh violent um maybe you know, has some type of World War II depiction, whatever. And just kind of match that to price over what I think it's actually the market should be. So I'm going to look for mispriced stuff, man. And romance is always usually there. People poo-poo that for the for the most part. War, certain like war titles. Not much Western stuff for me. But anything that I can make some money on, um, that I wouldn't add to my personal collection, I'm going to go in. Like I said, I mean, I'm the Golden Age Guru because I, I know a lot about every title and every book. So when I go out there, there's a lot to, to for me when I look at it, be like, okay, like this I can do something with, or I like this, I appreciate that. I know somebody who would want that. I know this type of collector, that type of collector. I've met enough people to where if I see a book, I know who I can off it to. Now, the problem is me keeping more <laughs> than I let out. So it's just uh, my personal collection keeps growing, you know. I keep too much because I like too much. There's so much to love about this time frame, guys. There just is. And the more you get into it, the more you realize, you know what? Crime is pretty cool. You know what? Westerns aren't that bad. You know what? Fox romances and, um, 
you know, all these other titles of romance are great too. So you start to appreciate more and then you let go of less. And then you're just <laughs> like, wow, this collection got big. So I commend those who are able to keep it at a certain amount. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not that bad. I'm luckily not a completist. Thank goodness. I'm not like, I don't need long runs. I just like what I like and that's cool with me. But if I'm a, and I know completist, man, I don't, God bless them. I don't know how they do it. You know, I'm kind of turned off from being a completist now after my, you know, kind of giving up on my Hellboy collection back when I had that goal of getting that, um, the pamphlet, you know, that we've discussed in length on this show before the Salt Lake City Comic Con, uh, pamphlet that showcases the prototype of Hellboy. And I had, I was a completionist, you know, I had every Hellboy comic, like I, I confidently, like I had every, I had a list. I had every single one. I had high grades. I had CGCs. I had 9.9s. Like if there was a nine, nine of any comic that was Hellboy, I was going to buy it. And I did, um, sketches that were unique by artists. I, I wanted them all. And I had that one that I wanted to get and it would complete the whole thing. And it just kept eluding me year after year. And I had all these comics. I had all these comics on the wall, all this art that was really cool. And this one book that just I couldn't find and I couldn't get. And then even then, even then, like I'm like, oh, I, I gave like a, at the time, I think it was like a $4,000 offer to someone that actually had one. It's the closest I ever got. And he declined that offer. And then this year, seeing one sell within 10 minutes for $5,000, I'm just like, this is not going to happen. I'm going to have to find it on the hunt or in the future at some point. It's just not the right time. So I've like reverted. I don't want the collection now. Like if the grail isn't there, the rest of it's kind of like, eh, I know it's attainable. I know I can just get it. So now it's like Dime Press is cool, but it's not that cool. Like it's really cool, but it's so available. You can get it at any time you want it. Same with Next Men. Heck, same with like most of the Hellboy scarce variants. They're available. You can find them in high grade. Will I want them again in the future? Probably. I'm probably going to complete a 1990, you know, two to whatever, you know, whatever the, the 91 with that, with that ash can to the, you know, probably the early post wake the devil run. I'll own it nine, eight, one day. But now I'm just like, I'm, I've kind of turned off to owning the whole thing. Cause I know what it looks like in the end. It looks like boxes in my closet. It looks like comics on the wall that I get kind of bored of after a couple of years. And I'm like, I want to refresh it. I want to see new things. So now I'm like, oh, I want the scarce, scarce stuff that I know that I may never see again one day. And I like it revolving. I like seeing new stuff on my walls. I like seeing new art all the time. And now that we have the studio, it's even cooler to be able to switch them out in here. So I'm looking for a lot of random stuff this year. Most of it's foreign and most of it's hyper scarce, but a lot of it's for the show because I want to bring the community cool information that they may not have known otherwise. So aside from that, we're also talking about conventions. What conventions are you doing this year that you know of? Cause for me, the ones that have become like 100% that I'll tell people I will be at is Emerald city, San Diego, and New York. I'm hoping to do Baltimore. That's the one I really re- regret not doing last year. What about you? I'm going to be doing my usuals, which tend to be Cal comic con which is the last weekend of January over in uh, Southern California. Check out calcomicon.com. That's a great show. And then Emerald City, like you mentioned. I'll be both at both Chicago shows. It should be a C2E2, Chicago Wizard. You're setting up as a booth typically? Like you're, you're typically sharing some booth space or you yeah, just be walking around? I'll tend to share some space with somebody, maybe bumming their booth a little bit. Um, San Diego, of course. 
Baltimore like you, I didn't do last year. I haven't done Baltimore for a few plus years. Dude, and so many people were talking about how great Baltimore was, and then seeing how many people from the like IG comic fam that were there. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I got to go to this convention, man. I want to yeah. meet everybody. So cool. Absolutely. And so I'm, I'm going to try to put that in the docket. Uh, New York, for sure. And I feel like I'm missing. Cal Comic Con is coming soon. Yeah, yeah. I just said that was the first thing I said. And the shout out, God, what am I missing? And then I'm going to throw in some other shows, I'm sure, because that's just a, that's just not enough. Right. And you're going to be lugging those short boxes around the country, hunting for some gold. I will be. What was your favorite con last year? Like, what was the most Ooh. successful con that you did? Like, maybe not. That's a that's a hard thing to say. Like, in your opinion, like the most worth like your time going to because of the like what you were able to do inventory wise and like what was available, just in general. Emerald City being a local show was really great. Dude, you killed it. I at did Emerald really City. well at Emerald City. Yeah, and we told people about that. But for those of you who are new to the show, you got two major grails at that show. And you traded up real quick. I did. I did. I did really well. I had a Hulk 1 PGX 60 and a uh, Journey 83. Journey 83 PGX 80. That's right, dude. And I had those pressed and resubmitted, and the Hulk 1 came back a 70, and the Journey 83 came back 85 white pager. Dude, you still own those. Oh, yeah. This is for the PC still, yeah? Absolutely. Yeah, and it's like, when are you ever going to get a higher grade copy of one of those books? That's so exactly. crazy. Dude, seeing you do that, that was a freaking crazy experience. Like, watching the deal go down and then seeing how quickly you're able to get those graded and back in your hands. Damn, dude. Impressive stuff. Yeah, thanks, man. That, I mean, you're not, not always going to get lucky like that. So, um, And then another show that I, I really enjoyed was Chicago. Um, Chicago Wizard. It's right. always just a good show. So many comics at that show. And I know Baltimore is great too. I just haven't gone in so many years, but I just hear nothing but the best stuff out of there. I want to go to Chicago. Uh, aside from that being where Art Baltazar lives and I love, you know, Aya and all those guys. Um, but that's where Nick's from too. And Nate, which is our web designer. So like there's like people that are part of the team that happen to live in Chicago. I've only been there once. I went to a con out there, I think it was four years ago, three years ago, three or four years ago. Great convention. Definitely not my my favorite that I did, I've done because it was just that the travel was rough and kind of a, a tough experience. It was really cold. However, I did meet Jim Lee randomly. I was I left the con because we were doing like a retailer thing, and it was before the show actually started. It was just like uh, the Wednesday before, and we did the retailer thing. And then the retailer day kept on going and I wanted to leave for a bit. I want to get some deep dish pizza. So I snuck out, went and got pizza, came back. And to my surprise, I just see Jim Lee standing out there, like waiting for his taxi by himself with his like suitcase. He was done at the retailer event and he had to book it and go somewhere else. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's Jim Lee. Yeah, go say hi to Jim Lee. So I like ran up as his taxi was coming. I got to shake his hand and be like, dude, I really like your work. It's so cool to see you. And he's like, all right, cool, thanks, bye. But <laughs> <laughs> well, he's a very nice guy. He is a nice guy. Cool. Jim's a really nice guy. And um, I wanted to mention one other show that I forgot. And it's the one? weekend before San Diego we did last year, Torpedo. Oh, that's right, dude. I haven't done that one yet. Oh, I wasn't there. Oh, you weren't. I missed out on that oh, one because okay. I did San Diego and I didn't want to be out there for two weeks. You know, I got to produce the show. But wasn't that also similar to like Cal Comic Con in that it was a no cosplay allowed? It was like strict 
in kind of, uh, you know, they, they went out of their way to find comic dealers to be there. They wanted to make it a real comic book show, like OG comic book show. Yeah, exactly. They just kept it. I mean, first off, the venue was kind of tight for comic dealers, so you really couldn't even really do tons of cosplay. But yeah, just keep it focused. Like, you're here for comics. We're all comic dealers. Nothing else. You're welcome. Come on in. Such an interesting thing, seeing that more and more, and that's because these shows are getting so big, and as a pop culture event as what they've become, comic space is a little bit more difficult to find every year. A little bit less sometimes every year. Some Not my, all the times. Yeah, some of my best shows are one-day comic book shows only, opposed to four- or five-day shows where you're sitting in a convention hall. Right. You know, just wasting your days because people are stuck in panels. Well, I got to say one thing that I really enjoy about conventions now that I, it's like, it's definitely made the travel and everything so much more worth it. And that is that seeing the comic fam, like seeing people who watch our show, who enjoy our show, who have something to say about our show. It is a very unique, unique experience to go to these shows now. And it makes it so much more enjoyable as long as I don't get sick, dude. Every freaking time I go to a convention, I swear I'm getting sick. I got sick in New York again. Like, I legit was getting sick at that con again. And I don't know how that happens. But you know what? I digress. This is the post show. And I appreciate the comic fam. And I'm going to stick through it and fight the sickness. Go to these conventions. Meet you in person. Because you know what? We appreciate you very, very much. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.